0: The Stagger Podcast.
1: Oh, God, Welcome into the Stagger Podcast. What is up? I am JD Smith,
2: getting ready for Daytona. My name is Derek Smith. How are you today?
1: I think everybody's doing just fine, brother, because uh, Daytona 500 weekend is upon us, and we have got Ooh. plenty to talk about today. You are on the phone today. And that is all right, but if people are wondering why the audio is like that, that's what we're doing. It's all right. It's all good. Uh, but yeah. We got a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about uh, our fantasy racing preview for the NASCAR season. We're going to do that with the guys from the Dick Trickle Racing League, which is what you and I are in, is our fantasy league. Season-long yeah. fantasy, so uh, <laughs> this is going to be another kind of like just giving you some tips and pointers and thoughts on what to do when it comes to daily fantasy <laughs> stuff.
2: Wait, wait. You're going to get tips from the dick guys. Oh, this <laughs> just, should be fun. just the tips. Just the tips. Just, just the, tips. the tips. That's okay. right. We're going to do the all tips that. From the Racing Tons guys. Okay. of
1: just the tips from the Fantasy League. <laughs> A lot going on there. Uh, we are also going to give you some uh, sample lineups for this Daytona 500. And yeah. we'll uh, talk about some predictions for the season. We will talk about, uh, you know, some of the other things that go into the Daytona 500. It's here, buddy. But uh, I thought before we start off. Before we go any further, let's talk about some memories from Daytona because, oh yeah, obviously that's that's you know the great American race. Everybody gets excited for this thing, and you know I have talked about this on the podcast before. I'll say it again: I am not the biggest fan of the current package at the super speedways. I'm not a big fan of the what they call the big blade and the small motor. You know, I'd rather it be mm-hmm. the other way around: big motor, small blade. Let it be loose. Let it be crazy, and make it a little tougher to drive. But that said the Daytona 500 is always going to be special and this week will be yeah. no different. My friend,
2: it's not the size of the blade. It's the horsepower in the engine. Is that what they say? Something. Something like I don't
1: think they say that, but <laughs> if they lowered uh, that, that spoiler on the rear deck, I'd be a little happier, but either way, you're going to see, just
2: take it off, man. You're going to take see it <laughs> off. You don't need to it back there.
1: That's right. You're going to see 40 <laughs> cars lined up in a freight train for, you know, three hours, which is going to be fun. I mean, it's, it's people like that. I, I, I like uh, you know some of the other strategic aspects of racing, but th- those will be there too. This is going to be fun. You just I'm, don't
2: like to have fun watching Daytona 500. You just like to sit there and go, oh, I don't like it. No, is, it's, it's not true racing. No, no, no. This it's not, not about.
1: It's not about that. I'll tell you this, man. Honestly, and if if people are fans of a certain driver, whatever driver you root for, I think it changes your perspective. Whereas if you're just rooting for one guy like you, you are a huge Bubba Wallace fan. Bubba's you know yeah. got a big deal here, right? And this is a big chance for him. Mm -hmm. Bubba Wallace though you know all it takes is one guy to just do one thing Mm -hmm. one moment one little Mm -hmm. whoop and then it can wipe out 10 cars in front of him and knock him out you know and it's just that's the thing that that's the always the worry if you're a fan but as far as just watching it without that it's uh, it's exciting there's nerves it's constant adrenaline so yeah man it's it's going to be an exciting day at the track.
2: And that's, and that's why I think we need to introduce to the Stagger Nation the concept of the side hustle or the side squeeze, however you want to call it. Uh, you have to have a driver on the side that you follow as well because mm. in races like this, you could have your favorite driver. I mean, how many times did Dale Earnhardt Sr. fans have a, a strong car and thought their guy, it was this year, it was going to be his time for him to end up on his lid or have a seagull hit his grill or something? And, I mean... If there's all these opportunities for failure that maybe aren't even of your own doing. So I've always been a big proponent of having that backup driver that you kind of have a have a following for and, and a fandom of. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, a, I agree I, with I you on that's
2: that. Great way to, that's a great way to watch super speedway racing, I
1: think. So your guy this year that you were rooting for and every year going forward, I presume, will be Bubba Wallace. Um, do you have a, a side driver that you're going to be rooting for this year and then and not just daytona but everywhere you have a, oh, a, yeah. a second driver that you're rooting for who's that
2: oh yeah bowman the showman
1: oh there you go yeah alex
2: bowman alex yep, bowman that's,
1: for sure got a that's, uh, lot to do here and this is going to be a big deal for him but that there yeah. was speed in that car obviously there's mm-hmm. engine issues with that car we're gonna have to find out a little bit more about that but yeah that yeah. car assuming no matter what they do with it if they fix that engine put a new one in it either way you know it's a great american race they're gonna be stacked up 40 deep second apart he'll be fine as long as he can stay with the draft so
2: we'll see and the thing is we only have a certain amount of time for this podcast but there was once a time in my life where i could sit here and say every driver in the field was pretty much my my side squeeze but greg biffle that was the only person i did not like (laughs) for whatever reason i don't know why i never met him I'm sure he's a nice guy.
1: Well, most people haven't met their favorite NASCAR drivers, or least favorite, <laughs> for what it's worth. I mean, that's yeah. that makes you like a normal person, which is not yeah. what you are, because you are someone who has uh-huh. met like half the guys in this field. So,
2: I mean, if you just walk around, you'll you'll bump into no, a no, player, you will behind. bump
1: you bump into them. Not most people. Most people do not just bump into their favorite drivers like you do. Okay. So.
2: Well, 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 maybe maybe I need to do a seminar then. Uh, we'll do the Stagger Seminar, How to Find Your Superstar Racers, and I'll tell you all about where to find A.J. Floyd and Mario Andretti.
1: Yeah, sure. That's great. That'll be, that'll be fine. We'll just let you there'll go. will be a uh, this
2: decent is... assist order. I won't be allowed in any paddock uh, ever since. So. Yeah, yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. So, But real quick, I do want to say, though, this. If, if you do want to enjoy, I'm being all serious. Find your favorite driver. Pick a driver that's to say if you like a mid-tier guy or an up-and-comer, or in a, a very established guy like Kevin Harvick, find yourself the opposite, an up-and-comer, a mid-pack person that gives you something to pull for. And then pick your lovable back-end, I guess, I would say lovable loser, but back-end driver. That For me, it's – it's. so I have, you know, Bubba Wallace, Alex Bowman, and I would say Quinn House. I always keep tabs on old Quinn House and see yeah. how he's doing it. If he gets a 29th place finish, I'm like, hey, look at that! He's jumped ten spots. Look at that! Something yeah. has to happen. That would feel you know, good always, for him.
1: He he obviously was uh, not running well in the duels, but you know what? That's a lot of work just to do to get there. To the five
2: hundred, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just trying, trying to get the there
1: first. safe and and yeah, not worry about getting wrecked. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say Boat, I mean, my guy that I my driver that I root for is Tyler Reddick in the uh, as I'm calling it this year when he has that Cheddar's paint scheme. I, I am calling that car the Croissant Rocket. That's what we're calling that, because it has the little buttered croissants all over it, and that's my favorite paint scheme, I think, of any car, yeah. just because it gets, makes me hungry. I like the Cheddar's <laughs> people. I've been to their restaurants. They're great. But oh. Tyler Reddick, though, is my guy. But I'll tell you a guy that I'm rooting for in this race, and I'm really pulling for, and actually, I put a little money on this guy, too. Mm. Um, I am really excited about that track house team, and mm. I love the fact that Daniel Suarez is you know in that ride. I think it's a very cool thing. I like Justin Marks, what he's doing. He's he's a really you know, a road racer guy. I'll never forget watching him at Mid-Ohio back mm-hmm. in 2017 or 2018. It rained in the Xfinity race that was there, and he drove the 42 car for Chip Ganassi to a victory, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't think the average speed was much above 50 miles an hour, but it was a fun race. Anyway, Justin Marks, my guy, track house. Yeah. That's my like. I'm pulling for you guys to have a good year and to, <laughs> and to do something and shock the world. And man, Daniel yeah. Suarez, if he won the Daytona 500, it would make me a lot of money. I'm not gonna lie, because I oh, put yeah. a little money on it. But the point is, <laughs> I drove just, to
2: Indiana to do that, didn't you? <laughs> I
1: I did go to a state where it's legal, and I put a legal wager <laughs> on a legal driver. And that is what I'm here for. Is yes, I'm all about it. So. I- but I, but I'm just saying, like that is a. You're right. It's fun to have more than one driver in this thing because you don't yeah. know what the hell is going to happen. It's right. it's always mayhem. So it's good to have a couple drivers here, not get too yeah. locked in on one guy. And if their day goes up in smoke, then you're just mad.
2: You turn the TV off in anger. Yes. Yeah, that's why I like fantasy NASCAR too because you have four guys at least in our league that you, that you get to watch and and it's it makes it interesting. But I do have to say though, it would be kind of funny. Um, every t- I, I just think of the the part owner of Trackhouse Pitbull. And how if Daniel Suarez was to win this race, you know, you'd have the same four letters with, you know, the iconic uh, meaning of, of Daytona. You got Dale and then you got Dale. <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Dale is synonymous <laughs> with uh, both Dales. Dale Earnhardt Dale, Sr. Dale, and Jr. Dale. And, hey. hey, Dale Jr. or Dale Jarrett, too, for that matter. A lot of good Dales. Dale Jarrett. Yeah, Dolly that'll be Dale Jr. Is that the 4 Horsemen of Dale Dale? Is Dale yeah. Earnhardt Sr. and Jr? Uh Dale Jarrett and no now care. Dale if the track Dolly. house guys win yep. it, that'd be great. Um all right, so plenty of things left to talk about with this race. I guess before we go much further about breaking down what's going to happen, let's talk about some of our favorite Daytona 500 memories cuz I know you have one. where, where yeah. would where would your like favorite Daytona 500? Which one would you say that was if you had to pick one?
2: Oh, if I had to pick one, I would say it would be the 2014 Daytona 500. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the race, and I, I, to be quite honest, I didn't grow up a Dale Earnhardt Sr. fan. You know that you, live, you grew up with me. Um, but ever since uh, you know his his dad passed, that juniors always had a, a soft spot in my heart, and I've always wanted to see him succeed. I know he had some rough times at DEI and at the beginning of Hendrick. So when he got in that '88 car with Nationwide on his on his on his side, uh, it just was really cool to see him hook up with Steve Letarte. They come out the gate, they win, and just his celebration, his joy. Because when he won in 04, it was his victory, but it was also three years after his dad passed away. So it's kind of like, hey, it's your dad's legacy, and this now and you're continuing on. And then a decade later, he gets a chance to just you know enjoy it and say, yeah, I am Dale Earnhardt Jr. I carry my dad's name. But I'm also a two-time Daytona 500 champion, and he celebrated like it, and it was just—it uh, was really cool to see. I—I I, I just enjoyed it, and also too, I look back fondly on the mid-2010s. I mean, it's a different time, uh, is a different—you know—you just life seemed to be simpler back then, obviously. Yeah, obviously.
1: Um, no, I agree with you on that. Here's a little audio of Dale Jr. This is him getting out of the car. He's just giving a hug to uh, Mr. Hendrick Dale. and. Here he's getting Your interviewed.
0: Daytona 500 win take on even greater significance considering the the journey you've traveled over the past six years. Yeah,
3: I think so. Man, this uh, winning this race uh, is the greatest feeling that you can feel in this sport. And uh, aside from obviously accepting the trophy for the championship, I didn't know if I'd ever get a chance to feel that again, and it feels just as good, if not better than the first, because of how hard we tried year after year after year, running second all them years, wondering why and and what we needed to do. And I got to get my head together. I got to thank National Guard, uh, that Mountain Dew, all our sponsors, uh, Kelly Blue Book, Chevy and Sprint, uh, and and my team. This race car was awesome. We showed them there all night long how good a car we had. And it's because these guys right here putting it together in the shop, man, that thing would do anything. Nobody. We could fight off battles after battles and uh we got a little help at the end from jeff to get away on that restart and just sort of try to take care of it from there it was uh this is amazing i can't believe this is happening i'll never take this for granted man because uh this just doesn't happen uh twice let alone once so just real thankful thanks to all my fans out there for supporting us we pretty much uh, might be in the chase ain't gonna worry about that get that off our chest and we're two times jtol 500 champion
1: there you go that is uh Dale Jr., a very exuberant Dale Jr. And you can just Dollar tell. Dale Jr. Yeah, he was just trying to compose his thoughts there. You could tell. But I think something fun about that, too, is, you know, Dale Earnhardt Sr., obviously, and Jeff Gordon had so many great battles over the years. And they were had such a big rivalry on the track, off the track, from all accounts. They were pretty good friends. They had a friendly rivalry. But... You know, certainly they were they they knew the other one was kind of the one standing in the, the other's way of getting a championship, right? Both yeah. those guys had a mutual respect for each other, so very cool that you know later in obviously everybody's you know existence there, the Dale Earnhardt Jr. gets a push from Jeff Gordon at a track where his dad you know won only one time, and uh, as far as running the Daytona 500. The guy who pushed Dale Jr. to his second win was his dad's greatest rival. That's kind of cool. I think that yeah, that's a fun moment from that 2014 race. So
2: oh, oh yeah, it's funny how our mind plays tricks on us. I I just have associated Dale Jr. at Hendrick after the you know car tomorrow, or not the car tomorrow, but the, you know the early phase of of his time at Hendrick and then the rebranding. I'm like, oh yeah, the Nationwide National Guard. <laughs> that was yeah. way off. Samsonite. Yeah. It's, way off, yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Now, it it doesn't take away from the memory for sure.
1: Now, another Dale, of course, was the uh, famous Dale Jarrett win in 1993. That was when he first won the Daytona 500. He obviously won it twice. But this is when he was driving for Joe Gibbs in the Interstate Batteries. Number uh, 18, I believe, was still the 18 back then, right? The lime green, of course, it's still very popular today with old Kyle Busch driving it. But here's the best part of this for me is that you get to hear. Uh, Ned Jarrett, his dad, legendary driver in his own right, Hall of Fame driver, and of course, great broadcaster, calling this race uh, with Ken Squire there. So, here's a little audio from that. This is him on the final lap where Dale Jarrett is battling. Who else but Dale Earnhardt Sr.
0: One gets into it. This is the finish. Did we say five cars had a shot at it? Get ready because it's coming to the wire. There's Jarrett in front. Jarrett pulling back in front. Bodine comes down to the inside. Jeff Bodine, the 86 champion, trying to find some room. Come on, Dale, go, baby, go. All right, come on. I know he's got to the floorboard. He can't do any more. Come on, take him to the inside. Don't let him get on the inside of you coming around this turn. Here he comes, Earnhardt. It's the Dale and Dale show. He's become off of turn four. You know who I'm pulling for. It's Dale Jarrett. Bring her to the inside, Dale. Don't let him get down there. He's going to make it. Dale Jarrett's going to win the Daytona 500. All right. Oh, look at Martha! Oh, dear. Oh, can you believe it? Way to go, oh, man! Did you about that. to that race <laughs> uh-huh.
1: That's that's one of my favorites. Where Martha is uh, Dale Jarrett's mother, Ned's wife. Obviously, she she would sit in a van. She wouldn't even watch the races. She would get so nervous. So she was sitting <laughs> in a van, just waiting to hear the result. And, of course, they had a TV camera on her because, uh, well, they know how to create some drama, right, back in the day. But uh, that was great. And I love how Ken Squire, doing his job, right, he's trying to jump in and call the finish of the Daytona 500, and Ned Jarrett was like, nope, that's my boy out there running for a Daytona 500. I'm going to call the flag as it drops, and he nailed it. So that's uh, the Dale and Dale show, one of the all-time calls in NASCAR history with old Ned Jarrett, and uh, made that pretty great. I get chills every time I hear it, so –
2: yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I mean, a beautiful memory. He, there. He's one of my favorite broadcasters. We've had a broadcaster episode. Yes. he's one of my favorites and uh, underrated. I mean, a lot of people look past him, uh, you know, just because he's a driver, but he's also Dale Junior's dad. De- Dale, sorry, what? Junior, yeah. Yeah, and um, but yeah, it was if it wasn't for him that you wouldn't have memories like that. And, and I mean, he is a voice of our childhood for a lot of people in their thirties and 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 forties. He's the guy that when you turn on the race, you heard him. If you turn on the radio, you heard Barney Hall. Yeah, so that's just the voices that you heard. And um, glad he's uh, he's been a part of our sport. And and um, I've always remember that '93 race for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was and of course Dale Earnhardt Sr. You can't have Daytona 500 practically in that era without Dale Earnhardt Sr. being a factor in it. Uh, that was the '93 race. Jeff Gordon was also right behind in hot pursuit in that race too. Uh, very young Jeff Gordon in that one. So. Yeah, very they,
2: mustachioed. Yeah, yeah,
1: very mustachioed and a little bit of a a, a little bit of a, a business mullet, shall we say? Even more business in the front than usual, but a little bit hanging out the back, <laughs> just for good measure. The sprint car was was strong in him back in those days. Um, now speaking of Dale Earnhardt, this is the '97 Daytona 500. We'll give you one more memory uh, from from this little audio to play. So in this race, Jeff Gordon actually won this race. Um, and if you've watched that, refused to lose documentary that I think Fox Sports One produced and aired. Ray Everham paid for a crew to follow them around and they actually won this race and uh, did Jeff Gordon. and so you get a lot of good behind the scenes stuff. Ray Everham talks about how they try to cheat the template system. it's it's fantastic you have not watch that It'll be running sometime this week. go find it uh, this weekend even I'm sure you can see it you you know you'll be able to find it easily but in that documentary I was reminded because I was watching that this week reminded of a great clip from dale earnhardt senior so he wrecks out of this race on the f- like three laps to go two laps to go they're mm-hmm. coming off turn two he and jeff gordon are you know near side by side and earnhardt uh gets up a little too close to the wall and jeff gordon goes by him and mm-hmm. earnhardt flips over on the backstretch, doesn't get hit by anybody and skids to a stop after rolling a couple times in the grass, kind of near turn three at the backstretch, coming into turn three, almost right at that same spot where the Allisons and Cale Yarbrough had their fight. It's like right mm. about there is where he lands. So this is audio that I remember watching live, and t- I think you remember this. Like Dad, our Dad used to say that you know, like this this line about the ambulance that Dale Earnhardt gave. I, it still sticks in my head but here is the original audio of this and, and this, this will forever be burned in my memory I will be 100 years old if I live that long I will hear this and instantly remember where it was from It here's Dale Earnhardt talking about what happened where he got out of the car saw that it was drivable and then got back in it and drove it around and they finished the race in a very badly damaged race car here's Dale Earnhardt Sr.
0: Gordon came up on me and the car pushed off the corner I got into the wall, got back in him, checked up a little bit, somebody hit me from behind Next thing I know, we're on the roof again. Luckily no one else hit the car. We just sort of bounced around over, up on our lid a little bit and scuffed around toward the back end up, whatever. I got an ambulance and I looked back at the car and I said, Man, the wheels are still on that thing. I got out of the ambulance and I asked the guy inside the car, that he was hooking it up. I said, See if it crank. And he cranked it up. I said, Get out, give me the car back. So I drove it back around here and we taped it up. And it's just uh it's frustrating for me, for the guys that worked so hard. Everybody worked so hard on the team and Getting these race cars down here, we run good and qualified good. Qualified, won the qualifying race. Uh, you know, I don't know that we could have won the Daytona 500, but we were sitting there ready for a shot. And I think Gordon was a little impatient at that point, but still, you know, he he went on and won the race. That's he's running his race, but that's that's the way it goes. I mean, you know, I pushed off the corner and got in the wall a little, and you know, I could have took him out too, but I was, I was trying to stay off him. And got back and somebody turned me from the back, and then it was all over with.
1: There you go. That is. Uh... <laughs> the Intimidator himself, but that that line about "I got into the ambulance, saw a crank thing had wheels on, it, got out of the ambulance." Go look up that car if you don't remember it, because <laughs> I promise you, this car was not drivable.
2: Like, there's no yeah, way they should have let him get a out good there that day. It, it, it needed it wrench. needed
1: everything. They had to literally wrap tape around the entire back of that thing to keep the deck lid on it. I mean, it NASCAR has since instituted rules that say you can't drive cars like this. I mean, when a car rolls over, it's pretty much that's it like you're not allowed to drive it around but they didn't have that rule back then and i don't know how they let someone get in a car that had rolled over structurally it could not have been very integral but whatever it Would was still you there you
2: want to tell dylan hurt senior to, to sit out <laughs> no no i'm back? sure
1: no one did and uh yeah so he he did though he drove it out of the grass drove it around they taped up the back of it and he finished the race so it was uh, quite the day and of course we can't go much more in this preview without bringing it up. It's it's not a pleasant memory, of course, but it is 20 years to the day. or not to the day. 20 years of the race. The date will be, I think, February 18th. But that is when uh, we lost Dale Earnhardt Sr. That was in 2001. It's obviously 2021, so it's been 20 years since that occurred. Uh, I don't know, man. I We haven't talked much about this because, obviously, we're brothers. We grew up together. I don't remember what... I don't. We were not watching the race together because I went and watched it with some buddies of mine. Uh, I went and watched it with uh, my buddy Jesse, my buddy Jared, my buddy Brian. We were seniors in high school when this happened, and so I went to their house and watched this race with a few other friends of ours from our class. Mm. and And then we all, I remember, our family. Like I came back to the house, and then we all went out to see, uh, grand gra- grandma, grandma. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, grandma,
2: yeah, because grandpa passed away uh, on February fifth of that year.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, he had just passed. We, we had just, just lost our, of, yeah, yeah, our grandfather a couple of weeks before that. So this was this was a, a little bit of a weird time. But what do you remember about, um, you know, what do you remember about yeah. that uh, particular time period uh, in I, life, like well, as far as watching that,
2: I, yeah. I remember when the wreck happened, we just thought it was any other wreck. My dad was pretty pumped to see Michael Waltrip get the victory, and he thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that was pretty cool. And we didn't really think anything of it. We, I think we turned the car, turned the TV off, and I don't know the logistics of whether we met you out there, you we picked you up. I don't know what the deal was, but I just remember watching the wreck going, wow, Mikey won. That's cool. Oh, well, let's go out to yeah, and and, and I remember, we did the same thing and,
1: where we were watching. We flipped yeah. the TV off and we were like, that's it. All right, you know. That was a fun yep. race, and we didn't even think about it because you're right; it did not look that bad at all. Yeah.
2: absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it wasn't that bad. It's a wreck you've seen a thousand times. You watch Rusty Wallace wreck on a on a super speedway and flip over, and you thought he's dead, and you're like, well, surely Earnhardt's fine. It's yeah. not that bad of a deal. Um, so then you get out there, and you know, death's kind of fresh on our minds because we're, you know, seeing all of our stuff that our grandpa had, and we're packing up stuff, and and then you know, next thing you know, you see Mike Helton on the TV going oh, it's the toughest thing I've had to say, but we lost Dale Earnhardt. And, like, right there, we're just like, wait, what? No, like, my dad liked to make fun of him and Jeff Gordon because he was a Bill Elliott fan. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Dale Earnhardt just died? Seriously? It it, it
1: was for people it who were not, yeah. f- who, who don't remember it because maybe you weren't old enough to remember it or you just, you know, weren't paying attention to NASCAR back then or whatever it is. Like, I mean, it was like time stopped. I, I don't even know how to put that into words for people, but... I mean, you just you just watched Tom Brady win his 7th Super Bowl, right? Imagine yeah. watching Tom Brady next uh, god forbid, I'm not wishing this obviously, but right. imagine watching a big game next year, Monday night football or something, Tom Brady gets hit so hard they have to Super take Bowl. him out. Right, they take him out of the game in a in a stretcher and you think, "Wow, he must have got hit really hard." Gee, I hope he, you know, he's probably got a concussion. And then they take him to the hospital, and then a few hours after the game ends, you find out that Like a legend like that died. Like it just, I don't know if people can even fully comprehend that unless you live through that because it was so bizarre, so bizarre. And we'll talk more about this uh, in a few weeks here because I think the sport really had a major crossroads in 2001 that they had to go through and, you know, they did. And they they found a way through it. And that is a testament to uh, everyone there at, uh DEI Dale Earnhardt incorporated his race team that Mm -hmm. had Michael Waltrip's car had Steve Park's car and of course had Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car um Mm -hmm. you know RCR Richard Childress Racing they had obviously had a part to play in that too and that's the you know the next week after that race was when Kevin Harvick started in the 29 car the white Mm -hmm. 29 Goodwrench car not the black number three was a very weird day at Rockingham Speedway so that but that moment though you're right like we both I just remember we were all sitting on the couch just looking at each other like what do we <laughs> yeah. do with this information we we know how to process it so it was yeah. and I know that no one really did um so yeah NASCAR of course made some safety requirements after that uh in the coming season I think I, they didn't do it right away but within that year they had instituted no more uh, open faced helmets they had full face coverings that was something that they believe was attributable to the uh, the death of Dale Earnhardt, and of course, they also instituted the Hans device. Which, sad to say, I mean, if NASCAR had jumped on that when it was being asked for by certain people around the motorsports safety community, if that's even a thing, you know, they were telling NASCAR you should it do this. It is now.
2: Yeah. It is now the motorsports safety community. It is now. I mean, yeah, you and I both know drivers. I know one local driver that her family was very adamant, like, hey you're not getting in the car without this Hans Hans device you're yeah not well, in the car and, and... without a great helmet and you know great fire suit and, and, and safety equipment like that was like you, you you might need to race a second race or a third race on a, on a right rear tire that probably should be replaced that's okay but we're gonna make sure you're safe and sound on and as far as safety equipment goes on you know in your car like yeah. that's and, and, and for those that don't know sprint car racing you can have a right rear for two or three races especially if you don't make an a main. And it can last a little longer. It's not going to give you the speed, but it's not going to be a safety hazard. Yeah. But just, you know, those are the things where, like, if you're trying to just show up and, and run every weekend and, and get some seat time, drivers do that all the time. And you see some drivers that, you know, just get by with what the minimum that they have to do. Well, Some drivers yeah. invest in that safety equipment. And it's because of seeing people pass away in, in, in the sport we love. And we don't want to see Well, and that's, pass that's away. the
1: thing I will say, sadly, right, a lot of times safety precautions are made in racing after something happens, not before. And that's why I'll give credit to both IndyCar and uh, F1, where they both went out and did the aero screen, or in F1, the halo, where they said, we have to do this before we have any more further tragic loss of life. And they believe that's what saved Robain Grosjean's life. You know, he he might have very well not survived that wreck that he had in uh, was that Bahrain? That was where he wrecked, right? Yeah. The because no, I mean, of because of the Halo. So I mean, this is the well, advancement that, he, in, in racing that has to happen, and it's good that, that we're doing that. So
2: Oh yeah, he would he would I mean it'd have been a gruesome I wouldn't describe what happened. Well, I know, yeah. That, 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 we halo, don't have to. that yeah, that halo stopped him from, from death for sure. Yeah. Um
1: the other thing that is notable about that wreck, because if you notice, like when you watch that wreck his car barely looks... It, you think his car... We talked about that wreck where Dale Earnhardt drove it away after it was all ripped to shreds. That was because it flipped over. But the bad thing was in that wreck was it wasn't ripped to shreds. It almost looked like you could have you know, taped the hood back down and drove it around, right? And that yeah. was a fatal impact that happened in that wreck. One of the reasons they believe that also happened after they studied a little further was that those cars were not very crushable. Tony Stewart yeah. was a big proponent of that when he came into the sport um and said you know we have got to make these cars less tank like a lot of these you know owners wanted the cars to be very sturdy the drivers wanted them to be very sturdy because they didn't want to have you know they run into someone at martinsville and instead of you know just taping up a fender back on it and getting back out there and run for points all day you know now you've got the half the front clip needs to be replaced because it all crushed in but the but the the cars crushing in like that absorbs energy and shoots it around the driver as opposed to making it go through the driver. So that is something that Tony Stewart was a big proponent of. Other drivers became proponent of too. And now that's why you see these bodies with these cars. I mean they when they get into a wreck you know they they are obviously a lot of them are made of carbon fiber now and there's all kinds of other things that go into it but they made the front and back clips much more crushable and compactable and they really changed the way that the energy travels around the car in a wreck so yeah a lot yeah. of good safety a lot of good safety precautions came out of this so unfortunately it should have never happened that we lost a uh, legend of the sport but uh, that is the way it went so
2: there you go It is man and it's it's the it's the tough part about it but we've learned a lot from it and uh we just you know you just hope that that we don't have to deal with this anymore as far as no more deaths in motorsports yeah that's a lofty goal to have but hopefully it's an attainable goal
1: we hope so absolutely uh we'll take a break we come back we'll talk some daily fantasy and give you our predictions for the year and then we'll talk to the dick trickle racing guys as well about fantasy racing you're listening to the stagger podcast Welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. All right, so let's talk Daytona 500. Well, before we do that, we never did our predictions on our NASCAR preview episode, which is still up if you haven't listened to it yet and you want to get caught up on some of the other things going on in NASCAR for the entire season. We have a Cup Series preview. We also have our Xfinity and Truck Series preview. Those are all out now. You can find them wherever you found this podcast. Just go look for the previous two episodes to this one, and you'll be able to listen to them. But um, let's, let's make a few predictions. Let's talk about our final four drivers we think are going to make it uh to Phoenix and be there for the championship and then let's crown our champions ahead of time. You ready to do that?
2: Oh yeah, ready to do that.
1: Um so, do you want to go first or me? I don't care. However you yeah, want to you do. You can go first. All right. Well, I'm going to say this. I do think Denny Hamlin will make it back to the final 4. I think Gibbs is going to be very strong this year. I'm actually going to pick two Gibbs cars to get there cuz I also think two. KFB is going to be back in it. i Think Kyle Busch is going to make it into that final mm. 4. Um, I do think that Kevin Harvick will find his way back in. And I think mm-hmm. Chase, Chase Elliott is going to be back as well. Uh, because there's a ton mm-hmm. of road courses and all those guys that I just mentioned are really good on the road courses. So I think that's going to factor in. But yeah, I I, I like all four of those guys to get back in and be there when it matters. What say you?
2: I say that I've got some similarities for sure. I've got a Stuart Haas Ford of Kevin Harvick okay I've got a Hendrick Chevrolet of Chase Elliott I've got a Gibbs Toyota of Denny Hamlin and I've got a Penske Ford of Ryan Blaney Ryan Blaney is a
1: good call there yeah Yeah. I, I was thinking about putting him in there obviously the Penske's had you know Two cars in the final four last year, and I didn't put any of them in this year. So yeah. might be a gross yeah. oversight on my part. But yeah, Ryan Blaney's real <laughs> interesting, man, because he runs really well. It's just getting the finishes. If he gets the finishes this year, yeah, he could definitely be in it for sure. So
2: I think a- it's a breakout year for him. I really do. And uh, but that that being said, it's going to be his first rodeo, as they uh, as they say, and uh, he's going to need to lose one before he wins one and mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with kevin harvick winning the uh the race in phoenix and and winning the championship that's my prediction
1: that's a good one and he certainly that would be quite the capper to his career not that he's done but man to, to put one back up there again and get another one now
2: one for the old guys yeah 35 i kind of been pulling for the old guys <laughs> well you Screw know young guys
1: i'll give you <laughs> i'll give you that but i i think the guy who's going to get it done is the guy who is uh been there done that and has not not as far as winning a championship but the guy who has been in that position so many times just has not been able to get it done i think denny hamlin's finally going to win his championship this year i think you're going to see the fedex number 11 he is going to be that guy who wins a championship and then i think he's going to just be in a different mode after winning a championship because then i think he's going to be looking at all right how many do i have to win to attain some milestones what do i need to do to get a second car for my new team when do I transition to team owner?
2: Like, there's He wins a, at Gibbs. He's going to be the second car. He's going to be the first car. Bubba's going to be the second car. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You, man, you're probably right. Gonna happen. He's going like, to you know transition what, Coach, to the
1: 23, and Bubba's you know going to be Coach, in another you car.
2: You take this 11 and give me the FedEx sponsorship because I'm taking it with me. <laughs> bop, 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 I'll do it We'll again. see. Yeah, and I'll do it again.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be very interesting. But, yeah, I think Denny's going to be there. Um, now, let's talk a bit about... Speaking of Denny, right? I mean, this is a guy who has now won this race two straight years, looking to go Mm -hmm. three straight and fourth. This time as an owner. No, stop. Four overall, right? It would be his fourth (laughs) overall if he wins it this time? Yes. So do you think Denny Hamlin's going to win this race? Well, obviously you can't think that because we already, if you listen to our NASCAR preview podcast, we already know who you've predicted to win this race. It's not Denny Hamlin. It's not Kevin Harvick. It's yep. not any any other plate it's racers you might think of, Blaney or not
2: Larson. It's no, not De- no. De Benedetto. Who who'd it's you pick? $1. Tell everybody who
1: you picked again. Old Mister Old stacking pennies over there.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna be stacking a lot more than pennies if it if it if it if it hits because I'm I'm doing my old trek to a legal state a legal state myself I'm gonna put some money on old Corliss Joy. All right. Winning the uh, Daytona 500. Spire has won a Daytona. His teammate is Jamie McMurray. Uh, Corey Joy is a really good racer. He finishes well when he doesn't have Ryan Newman on the front of his car. He finishes pretty dang well in the in the in the plate track races. He can stay out of trouble. I think, he, like to me, he is a lock to have on your fantasy team because he's fifty eight hundred dollars on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, and, that's a big deal.
2: And yeah, so I think he's a lock to have on there. And he's going to have Jamie Mack, a really good plate racer, as his teammate. That is why on picking him by the way yeah this is well with hendrick engines by the way yeah
1: hendrick engines and and, and ganassi chassis right
2: i forget i forget who's on the pole again for the daytona 500
1: oh that'd be a hendrick engine
2: row and who's on the other the front row another
1: hendrick actually i want to say like out of the last 14 daytona 500s it's something crazy like hendrick has had a a car in the top two i want to say out of like 13 of them
2: so can can we? I just want to be a little bit of a euro snob now. Can we do a front row lockout for Hendrick Motorsports? Is that is that something we can do? Can we say that? No, no.
1: Well, I, well no? I guess you can if you want to. That's fine. I I don't even know what that means. Does it
2: count honest. if uh, Alex Bowman has to start at the end of the rear of the field?
1: I don't. That that I also don't know right because I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's going to happen yet. When we're recording this, we don't know exactly where the status of his engine is. So. Yeah, and, and actually, for full disclosure, we're recording this during the rain delay of the duels, so we know what one of the duels is, but we don't know the other ones. So, uh, full
2: disclosure, I'm sitting in my Honda Civic in my park in my driveway so that I don't wake up my family. All right, well, that's kind of late.
1: That's that's a full, little too. Full disclosure, that's a little I'm too much full disclosure. There's a lot of yeah. full disclosure going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about your daily fantasy uh, lineup real quick because you mentioned that Corey LaJoy is going to be in yours. Uh, Who do you have as far as your guys that you would be targeting for this race? Which I will remind people, this race, as much as any of them, if you go to a mile and a half track, if you go to a short track, like the ringers of the gamblers who get on and do Daily Fantasy, they've got their lineups. They've got all their Excel spreadsheets. You're going to have a tough day trying to beat those guys. It's very difficult. But Daytona 500, it's a crapshoot. And so if you're ever thinking of man, I might throw 20 or 30 bucks into DraftKings and go see what's up. This is your this man. is your weekend to do it, man, because you you can find plenty you can go pick some guys at the bottom. You'll have plenty of room to go get your, you know, star guys whoever you want and just know you're pretty much going to be guaranteed to lose whatever you put in cuz it's going to be a crapshoot, but you might win the ridiculous amount of money if you get lucky. So but it is well, all going to be luck. Not, I think it's going to be all luck this weekend. Yeah. But what, what do you think, man? Who are some well, guys you're going to? Call targeting?
2: me crazy because I have a wife, two kids, and a puppy. So I'm putting like five dollars and just having fun on the quarter jukebox game. That's, right now, there's a fifteen thousand dollar pot, it's got seventy one thousand available spots in it. <laughs> Good luck trying to win this one. Uh, but I, I still have like ten entries in it. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's like only sixteen thousand people that are in there. So you got 65 hours when we're recording this to uh, to jump on in it. But I'm going to go ahead and fill up my lineup right now. Go ahead. This Tell is me the lineup what... I'm gonna put in there a couple times. All right. It's going to be Corey LaJoy going off at 5,800. Uh, driving for Spyro Motorsports. We've already talked about it. Daniel Suarez, who in the first duel had a really good showing in that track house. Dale, let's go. He's at 5,700. Yeah. I like to put my guys at the bottom in first. So I know what I'm working with right now. I got an average of $9,600 left to play with. So I'm going to look for a big boy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a guy who's got loads of potential, who knows how to drive this place and who's maybe not starting first. So I'm picking Denny Hamlin. He's top of the pot at 10, 10, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. three spots left. What's that?
1: Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. I'm, yeah I agree with you. So left. all this makes sense to me so far. I like it.
2: Yeah. So, and what I like to do is I like to throw in someone who's annoying in the Daytona 500, you have to pick someone you don't like because you know what's going to happen. They're going to be the ones that wins the damn race, right?
1: Well, you know, who that would, I think, be for a lot of people. In my mind, that's someone who's going to have a lot of horsepower and a lot of teammates who can push him to a victory. That'd be that yep. blue That blue deuce is where I'd be going with Penske. That's the one I'm thinking. Oh. Annoying. No, is that not where you're going? Where are you going?
2: No, I'm going with old Silver Spoon Austin Dillon. 8,300 <laughs> Chevrolet, right. baby. Hey,
1: he's got experience winning plate races, so there you yep. go. He's won this race. Cali. Yep.
2: All right, and then <laughs> what and do then you got I'm left? i to go with, uh, to wrap it up, I've got two drivers left. Now, this is where I like to find a good driver that's got loads of potential, that's got a good power behind him, and that's going to make up a lot of spots. Okay? So I think that you're looking at a guy – now, you might think I'm crazy with this because there, I'm averaging $9,000, almost ten grand left in my budget. Yeah. I'm going to choose Eric Jones, and here's why. Because he has the power. He's going to start mid to backpack once this is all said and done. Yeah. And he's won at Daytona, and Bubba Wallace has done exceptionally well there. That 43 the car
1: usually race. has speed in in this yep. race. You're exactly right. Yep,
2: And I you're looking you. for people that maybe they're not going to pick uh you, you want if you if you're yeah, if eric, eric jones Case is not going to be a,
1: i would think he's not going to be the hottest commodity out there right no. now yeah
2: no and I, and I have to say too if you're going to do a fade i would almost fade i hate to say it Bubba wallace because a lot of people are going to pick him yeah this is one of those too.
1: you're exactly right people who don't play the daily fantasy very often that's something you have to consider is how many yeah. other people are going to have a similar lineup to you Right. So if you throw Chase right. Elliott in there, guess what? Lots of other people are going to have Chase Elliott just because he's popular. Right. If you yep. Denny Hamlin, which you put in there, and that's fine. You just have to vary it up and make sure you don't have all the popular picks. Right. So if you had Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace and Chase Elliott, you know, those are going to be guys that are, are probably going to be picked quite a bit here. Picking guys that you think are maybe flying a little under the radar, a little undervalued, that's where you want to go. Again, this is all a crapshoot, so you might as well try oh, it's to vary totally it. Totally a crapshoot. Go like have a contrarian lineup for sure. That's what you're talking yeah. about a little bit here. I got, so. Well,
2: I got one. I got one last one to pick. And you here.
1: should have all the money in the world. So who are you picking?
2: Yeah. So what I have, I have a remaining salary of almost eleven thousand. You can pick anyone. I'm gonna on. go with Put Eric Amarola. He's going off at eighty-six hundred. So obviously he just won the first duel here. So he's gonna be a popular pick. But if you look down my lineup, I've got Amarola, Austin Dillon. Who uh past champion or past winner of the race. He he might get chosen, he might not. Um Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, Corey LaJoy, and Daniel Suarez. Yeah. I think you're gonna find value with Suarez, LaJoy, and Jones. Man, though you did a good job
1: with that. If you okay, let's just say back out of one of those guys, who do you feel the least confident in of those of those cheaper guys? Eighty like the Austin Dillon, the Daniel Suarez. Eric Jones. Oh, you feel the least confident in him. All right, back out of Austin or out of uh, Eric Jones real quick, and let me know who's available. Who can you get?
2: Oh, anybody. I've got a thousand dollars left over, and I can get Chase Elliott still.
1: Good night. That's pretty good.
2: I can get Brad Brad Keselowski. So, to me, yeah, I would go. I would go Brad. I would, I go Brad Ke- I would Brad. almost go Brad
1: Keselowski there, honestly. But that's either yeah, way. Start, good.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's gonna have Ford power. You know what? I'm gonna make that switch right there. You know why? Because you do want to have a couple players in here. So right now, the heavy hitters I have, and I would consider Almirola a heavy hitter at this point. I've got Almirola, yeah. Hamlin, Kozlowski. I got my flyer and Corey LaJoy, who I think is going to be sneaky, sneaky good. Yeah. And then I got Daniel Suarez, who's probably going to be a hot pick. But a lot of people might steer clear of him because, you know, hey, he might finish off a lineup here or there. But people are going to say, De ben- De Benedetto. like, let's take a look at this. So right now at 6,700 you got Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, Jamie McMurray is going off at 6,400.
1: I wouldn't, Michael I wouldn't doubt who races
2: good here. 63, 300. Austin Cendrick, who could be grabbing a lot of headlines, 6,100. Yeah. And then you look up a little further. Tyler Reddick's at 7,100. Bubba Wallace is at 7,400. Christopher Bell, who ran strong in the first duel, is at 7,600.
1: Man, getting, so there's a getting, lot of people yeah. that
2: are going to go for those mid mid tier drivers. I, but I'm sticking I'm sticking strong with LaJoy. So your, Lawrence, your strategy my, is not
1: to go mid-tier. Your strategy is to go low-end and then some high-end and leave the middle tier for other people. I and like then, that. And that's then not And pick bad. the
2: annoying guy in the middle, and that's where Austin Dillon comes
1: in. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, we'll hey see man, if it works out. Yeah, I like it. That's pretty interesting. Um, I will tell you this. You mentioned him earlier. So I drove out to Indiana. I put a bet in legally. Um, and my guy to win, the Daytona 500, this is, again, my – I told you I was excited about him. I put uh, just ten bucks down on a you know, what was the number I'm trying to remind I'm trying to remind myself, it's uh I think he's a hundred to one to win, and yep. that is Daniel Suarez in the ninety nine track house car. So if he does win, that ten dollar bet's gonna pay me a thousand bucks. So just yep. know if you all are watching that race and you see old number ninety nine sitting top five with two to go. Just know that where I am, I am losing my mind because I am a Your shirt's am, off. Yeah.
2: You're you're sweating up a storm.
1: If Daniel Suarez wins this race, we we may I'm and I don't I, I don't know how we will pull this off because neither of us speak this language fluently, but I think we may have to do the next like podcast the first minute of it in Spanish. We may have oh, to we could we could, in totally, honor we of could him. Totally
2: pull that off. We could I mean totally we both took
1: Spanish, so and Go, that's yeah,
2: Google Translate, dude. We just type it all in.
1: I will be celebrating that. You have no idea. That will be so awesome. But anyway, yeah, I'm rooting for him just even regardless if I didn't put money on him. I'm rooting for him because I think he's kind of, you know, people have kind of dumped on him a little bit over his career. And uh, I like what Trackhouse is doing. So I'm rooting for those guys. So but that is my that's my flyer pick this week yeah. for that. So now, who do
2: you think you just would never you just want to steer clear of him? This person, you just have a hunch that he's just going to have a bad day. He's mm. that one driver.
1: I don't know why I'm saying this because he's been so successful, but the last few years, but I I just feel like, I feel like chase Elliott is not going to have a good day. I don't know why,
2: uh, you know, I'm with you on that. My friend, I he's it, got, but it, here's yeah. the thing.
1: He's got Hendrick power. He obviously has just won a championship. Life could not be going better for this guy. So I feel like this race is just the one where it just tends to, it just tends to nip guys where everything's going too well. Like it's, I mean, obviously it would be a huge achievement for him to win this race, but, um, and I'm sure he's going to be focusing on doing it, but yeah, I just don't have a great feeling about Chase Elliott winning this race. So we'll save this audio for when he does win it and we can play that back next week. How yeah, wrong I, I was.
2: Mean, yeah. Uh, what, what's the, what's the, the sound we have in the beginning of our uh, show? What a bunch of morons. These
1: guys That's are idiots. Right? Yeah. These
2: yeah. guys are idiots. Yeah. Well, there That's we it. go. We should start putting our bad predictions up there. Yeah. <laughs> like toilet joy winning the uh daytona 500 but that's at least
1: that's at least sticking your neck out a little bit so yeah i don't think that's wrong um (laughs) so there you go that's uh, a little bit of daily fantasy preview for this week a little bit of gambling preview for this week uh we'll take one more break when we come back you will hear from the dick trickle racing guys as we preview the rest of the fantasy nascar season you're listening to the stagger podcast Welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. So we have got a couple of guys from the Dick Trickle Racing League that are going to talk about Fantasy NASCAR with us because uh, what season are we on now? Commissioner Ori, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves and and tell us what season we're on with the uh, Dick Trickle League.
4: AJD, hey J.D., we are on the 11th season of Dick Trickle Racing, which is no way affiliated with Dick Trickle, but we are here to remember uh, Richard Trickle. And, uh, yeah, the 11th season, we uh, started in 2011, so we just uh, minutes ago finished up our draft.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, 11 drafts in. I joined in, I think, year eight. I want to say this is my fourth season? Yeah, because I had the start of my fourth season. Um, Drew is with us as well. Drew, what what year did you pick up with this, or were you a day one?
5: I was I was a day oneer. I was one of the original what was it, Ori 5? Yeah, Dick the found, founding father. Yeah. Now, what's most important to remember about my placement in this fantasy league is that I'm the only three-time champion. I won the inaugural season, Dick Trickle 1, and Dick Trickle 4, I think, and then or Dick Trickle 3, and then Dick Trickle 8. Yeah. I think we're in my uh, repertoire. So um, I have good experience with uh, winning in fantasy NASCAR in this particular league.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do. And so this <laughs> is why we I wanted to talk to both of you guys because, I mean, Ori, you started this league in part because you couldn't really find a fantasy league that did what you were looking for, right? Like, there's a lot of, you know, the the draft-style leagues. There's obviously daily fantasy probably not when you guys started this but you wanted something where you could kind of control it and you run all this off the points just like what nascar does for the most part right
4: yep we just wanted to do our own thing there was a lot of weekly out there espn had kind of phased out there fantasy NASCAR at that point in time. And we just wanted to do our own thing and draft guys at the start of the year. There aren't a ton of transactions in our team. It's kind of, you know, the, my guy league where you, you draft guys at the start of the year and you're, you're going to ride them home. And, uh, you know, maybe you're making some trades, uh, throughout the season. But other than that, you know, we kind of wanted to get away from the weekly fantasy where you know, there's a lot of, uh, strategy, obviously based on the upcoming track.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it fun. Like we, like you said, just had the draft. I am the defending champion of the league, for what it's worth. Since we're talking about our accolades, and Ora, you've won the league, right? So, what what years did you win?
4: I am a Dick Dick Trickle two champion and Dick Trickle six champion.
1: All right, so this is a meeting of the minds of all the champions. I mean, really, everybody else is kind of inconsequential. So, let's just talk as champions uh, about how this draft went for each of us. So. Ori, to lay out all the teams, um, let's lay out Ori's first. You had uh, Kevin Harvick, you got Kyle Larson, you got William Byron, Chase Briscoe, which I really like that pick, and uh, Ricky Stenhouse was your final. We start four this year, and we have a fifth on the bench, correct? That's I'm not mistaken on that? Yes, that's correct. All right. And Drew, you've got Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, and uh, Chris Boucher. My team, for what it's worth, is Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, William Byron as well, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Ross Chastain. So tell me, uh, let's go, Drew, I'll go with you first. Talk about the the guys that you ended up picking and maybe just a little bit of what you think of your team right now. Like how do you feel with Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain probably as your main four you're going to go with? How do you feel about that?
5: You know, it's interesting. The draft went, you know, you have your kind of your big board as you go through. And looking at my big board as it went along, it was mostly chalk for for the big board. So I didn't have a whole lot of guys in our uh, division that were reaching or letting a guy fall pretty far for what I kind of predicted, Um, which I don't really like that because then I feel like, you know, if somebody's falling, I can try and reach up and snag some value. And that didn't happen here. So but the second pick, I, I picked Kyle Busch. Um, Chase Elliott went first overall, and um, you know I think there were a lot of people you could take at two. Um, I, I think I don't want us to have amnesia uh, with with Kyle Busch's past history. Just think about last year. So um, you know, he's been a dominant force in NASCAR for many years now, and um, picking him up at two felt felt pretty good to me. And then. Yeah, I took Blaney and Christopher Bell at the next two picks, uh, pick number nine, and I traded up to 11 and take Christopher Bell. You know, Blaney, I think, is, um, you know, a, a solid pick at the the eight spot or nine spot where I got him. You know, he's going to be Sony who will probably win a couple races. He puts a good number of top fives. Um, he's got some duds in there, too, but I, I think, um, you know, this league is puts a heavy emphasis on winning, and I think he can help kind of lead the team to that. Christopher Bell and much better equipment now really high on him this year and then yeah, f- you know, finished up with uh, Chastain and Christopher Buescher. Um, I don't know about Chastain, I'll be honest, really, really nervous about him. Uh, he's got better equipment now. Um, he's, he's performed really well in Xfinity and uh, I think a lot of people are really optimistic. He's a great uh, personality for NASCAR. But you know, those last two picks, if we're starting four and I feel good about my top three, I'll tell you what, I don't feel good about my four and five drivers. <laughs> um, I don't think either of them, I, I don't see them really competing for a spot in the chase. So I'm going to have to hope one of them kind of step up or pick up a guy off of waivers or or try and make a trade somewhere
1: yeah i mean ross chastain though i think can be good um i have him on my team too i'm pretty excited about what he can do but yeah i get what you're saying there it's a little bit of a risk um going back to your kyle bush thing one other question on that so what do you think of adam stevens moving on now there's new crew chief there and all that stuff i mean do you think that's gonna kind of get kyle bush back to where he was do you think they'll be able to refocus. Cause I think last year he just got killed by not having practice and he really couldn't could, I mean, he was good, but not for his level, right. you know, he wasn't the guy. So you took him over Harvick and, uh, uh, Diddy Hamlin. I mean, those are two guys that did get it done last year. So,
5: right. but you're feeling yeah. good about that. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think last year when he was really struggling and I think a lot of people said, Oh, well, Kyle Bush needs practice to be successful. Um, I think that's sort of a, a narrow minded kind of mindset to have because, Bush is a champion. He's won God knows how many races in NASCAR. So, uh, I mean, it's not him not having practice. That's, that's not what he needs. He needs a good team around him to make the car work like he needs it to. Um, and it doesn't take a whole lot of time for him to figure out what it needs to do. Um, and so I, I think the team is really lacking for him. The new crew chief will be really helpful uh, for him this year. Um, and we'll see what they want to do with practice you know I, I think as covid potentially dies down they could retweak it a little bit again um, i don't think it'll quite be as you know restricted as last year but um i am high on him again i think he'll get back to his previous form uh, where he was really a pretty dominant force for a number of years there yeah. last year was definitely the an
4: anomaly
1: i think too kyle bush and, and oh go ahead dory sorry
4: I didn't have anything
1: oh. sorry. Oh sorry, I thought you were talking my bad. Um, well, what I was gonna say is Kyle Bush and Ryan Blaney both are pretty good road course racers too and obviously this year that's gonna be a huge deal because there's so many more what is there seven road course races now, uh, which is <laughs> it's it's mile and a half tracks and then road courses are like almost as important as short tracks. So yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really interesting season and Ori, you took uh, Chase Briscoe with your fourth pick. Him and oh. William Byron, you have both of those guys. Those are two. I think William Byron has like four top tens in eight road course stars. That's, I'll take that. I mean, I think he's a, I think I picked him up too. I think he's a real solid road course guy. And Chase Briscoe obviously was great in Xfinity doing that. So I would think you're going to be in good stead in that sense.
4: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm really high on Chase Briscoe. I love my rookies in Dick Trickle trying to grab them late. Um, you know, not only is Chase Briscoe proven at road, course road courses and at least the Xfinity series, um, he's also a dirt guy that would hopefully provide good value at the Bristol dirt race. And, uh, you know, stepping in, I, I hope he can pr- perform better than what Clint Boyer did last year in the 14 call car. And then yeah. you're talking uh, Willie B. Um, you know, again, this was a third round pick for me and hoping to provide uh upper tier talent on the road courses and just kind of fill the gap at the other racetracks um i know we saw willie win at a uh super speedway last year at daytona at the last regular season race so you know maybe he can throw in some other top tens there there but um you know once you get to the third round it's it's kind of guys that uh you know, you you love, but you you know you don't. You know you're not going to ride I'm, to a championship. I'm right? in the
1: same. I'm in the same boat. I had him in the third round too, and it's and I, <laughs> I have my I have my misgivings about it, but I also think he's he's going to be stepping up this year a little bit because I think that that whole uh, organization there with Hendrick, obviously the game's getting raised a little bit. Chase, of course, winning a championship will do that, but also Kyle Larson coming into the fold, and you've got him on your team too uh him and Harvick man i mean it, if Kyle Larson like we've we've talked plenty about all the you know stuff from last year and we'll have plenty more to talk about that but just from an on track performance standpoint Harvick and Larson you could have two guys who are in the final 4 i mean potentially like if if Larson is back to driving like he was before all this happened and now he's in even better equipment it's all about finishing with him and it's all about not finishing second When you have the chance to win the race, but assuming that, you know, he carries over any of the stuff he was doing last year at the dirt tracks and everywhere he traveled, you would think he's going to be ready to go and in some really good equipment that by the second half of the season, I would expect to see him winning multiple races.
4: Yeah, Larson's not a slouch on the road courses either. He's a he's a good road course racer. Obviously, he's a dirt guy. You hope that he can perform at that Bristol dirt and and you know potentially bring home a, a fantasy win on that track as well. Um I was I wasn't shocked he fell to 9, but that's or I guess I got him at eight, excuse me. Um, And, you know, getting him at eight was pretty good value. Like you said, J.D., if he performed that well in in Chip Ganassi equipment, you could hope that he performs that much better in HMS equipment.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, So overall, is there a guy that either of you, like, going back over in your head, I don't know if you remember this, but – was there someone that you were looking at, you were weighing a decision on, and you thought, hmm, maybe I should take this guy, and then you pulled the trigger and went another way? Did you have any of that going on in either of your drafts?
5: Yeah. You know, for me, I was really trying to trade up to get Briscoe, actually. Um, and, you know, when you guys were talking about it a second ago, I couldn't help but to think, um, you know, I, I had similar expectations and hopes for Custer last year when he came up, and obviously he won a race. But really, when you look at his total points in the year, he wanted to be a sort of borderline fourth, fifth round type of a driver. Yeah, I think he'll progress some. But they're going to be in pretty much the same equipment this year. So, from my perspective, it'll be interesting to see how Briscoe compares to Custer's rookie year. You know, I think if they have similar years, then that third round value may not pan out. But I think Briscoe is much more talented.
1: Man, that's that's a good point, and that's something you know we're talking about when we do the preview and stuff. But. Chase Briscoe is is definitely adding some pressure there, right, at Stuart Haas, because Cole Custer, while he did win that race, and I'm sure he feels really good about that, um, performance-wise, yeah, I mean, he was not a top-20 performer last year, except for one race, you know, that Kentucky race was pretty epic, that big pass was awesome, but outside of that, I mean, they're not even running that track anymore, so... You know, you are going to have to hope he can find it at some other you know mile and a half. Which there is plenty of tracks like that one, so reason to think he could. But yeah, I would think Chase Briscoe is going to definitely add some uh, some heat there for sure because he might be able to do what we thought Cole Custer was going to do last year. That's a good point.
5: Yeah, and you know, I, I think looking back to it, guys that you know got away, I traded up to get Christopher Bell, just one pick, um, but I, I traded up to take him over Kurt Bush. and so you are looking at sort of the the new kind of up and comer and Christopher bell who has much better equipment now was really heralded when he came in as the next big thing. Um, I wouldn't say he was unimpressive so far in NASCAR, but he had subpar equipment. So it's really hard to kind of measure him up and Kurt Busch just kind of keeps on chugging. Um, yeah. I keep expecting him to fall off at some point and he just hasn't. So that could be a, uh, situation for me that really may not pan out because if bell doesn't make that progress in the new equipment, and Kurt Busch is his usual self, where he can compete for a couple wins and make the chase and get up into that final eight like he did last year. Um, that could be a, a pick that really got away for me, and, and could cost me a chance at, at winning a championship.
1: If you're listening to this, going, man, these guys really take this seriously. Hell yeah, we take it seriously. This is this is a meeting of the minds of the champions. I mean, this is you know, this is not just we're not screwing around. We're not dicking around, you know, to to turn a phrase there. So. Ori, do you have any that uh, you felt like got away, or did you feel like your draft kind of went the way you thought it would?
4: Well, I was happy to get um, a gift. Uh, Kevin Harvick fell into my lap at the third overall pick with, with Drew taking Kyle Bush at two. Um I mean, Kevin Harvick had nine wins last year. Absolutely dominated the series. Yes, he didn't end up in the final four or winning the championship. But for Harvick to have nine wins and and fall to the third pick. I know he's the oldest active cup driver this season and people are worried about fall off. But, you know, he's he's uh, like Drew said, kind of with Kurt Busch, you know, he's he's better than that. You know, he continues to chug along. Um so I was gonna have to have a tough decision um, between Hamlin and Truex, what I thought was gonna be the third pick, until uh, Harvick uh, fell into my lap. There, another tough decision I talked, I had to work through was a, a driver we talked about already. Um, I had to make a pick between chase Briscoe and Bubba Wallace in the fourth round. Um, I ultimately went chase Briscoe. Um, I'm curious to see what Bubba does, you know, is that, you know, Gibbs equipment or is it kind of reflective of Christopher bell last year in the, uh, Levine Family Racing equipment. You know how does that go? Um I understand with Michael Jordan and all the sponsors they're getting that you know Gibbs is going to throw all the all the best resources they can at making that team as competitive as they can immediately. So that was a very tough pick for me between Chase Briscoe and Bubba Wallace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that I think with that with that to your point like the difference maybe between what Bubba Wallace is getting with the you know 23XI racing or 2311 racing, I keep calling it that, uh, and what Levine Family Racing had last year. Uh, I saw that 2311 racing actually got one of the Hawkeye systems like what NASCAR uses, which all the big teams have. Gibbs certainly has one of those. Um, and so they were taking their cars to start like the season, like just the last few weeks, they were taking their cars over to Gibbs to have them Hawkeyed for lack of a better term and measured before, you know, they take them to the track just to make sure they were all specked out and ready to go. And they said that was, they wanted to actually have that system at their facility. They just couldn't get it installed in time because of COVID, but they, they did show a picture I just saw on Twitter today or yesterday where, yeah, they've, they've actually done that. Now they've got the system there. So I would think that helps out. I mean, it's all those little things, right? They're, they're measuring, you know, thousandth of an inch trying to find an advantage they're doing everything they can so if you can get something set up just like what NASCAR has to test I would think that helps put you like with the big boys because I'm sure Stuart Haas has that obviously you would expect that Penske and, and Hendrick and all those guys have it and Gibbs obviously has it so yeah I think those are just some telltale signs but it's a tough call man this is this is the fun part of our draft and One last thing for people who may be wondering, uh, Ori and Drew, their teams are totally different because they're in the same division, so they are fighting for a division when we have uh, 10 people in this league, so you don't have 50 drivers, so we split it up to be five and five in each division, so that's why I have like Ryan Blaney, Drew has Ryan Blaney, I have Ross Chastain, Drew has Ross Chastain, I have Willie B, Ori has William Byron, so that's why there's some crossover there is because we all are in different divisions, those two and me. It so. sounds like you copied off our
5: drafts there a little bit. But.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I'll tell you, my, my wrestling one that I had was I was looking at my list and I was going off of what I have, and I, too, was looking very much at Chase Briscoe, and I went with Tyler Reddick instead because of the experience. But I, I actually had Chase Briscoe up pretty high because I think he's going to do really well. I just I had Tyler Reddick last year, and especially the start of the year, he was pretty good. He kind of tailed off in the second half, so I'm hopeful. That's not a sign of things to come, but he's my fourth driver, so we'll see. But, yeah, he was right on the cusp last year of getting into the playoffs and just couldn't get it done. Too many, too many one-off winners.
5: If Reddick can clean up his bad races, he had some really high finishes last year. Yeah. He was a bit of a roller coaster, but I mean, he was. If he can clean up that floor of his finishes uh, and bring that average low finish up some, you're going to be looking at a really solid take in Redick. I think um, he's easily going to start outperforming Austin Dillon. I, I think most people probably agree on that. You know, assuming their equipment is the same, um, you know, Redick shows a lot more promise, I think, than Austin Dillon really ever has. Um, so I, I totally expect Redick to be taking that. Sort of random spot that Dylan seems to grab in every playoffs, uh, and you know, the years going forward,
1: yeah. Well, and that's one that he, he did grab, right? I mean, he grabbed it right. last year, and Colt Custer grabbed one, William Byron getting one. Like, I think those are the things that, uh, you know, probably kept Tyler Reddick out, but we'll see this year. He's got to actually get one of those wins because you're right, he was close last year. I would say, for those who do daily fantasy, uh, Homestead, like, put Tyler Reddick in your lineup because I think he'll be good. Um, and one last one, because Ori, you brought this up and it just reminded me and I meant to bring it up earlier. Uh, you said about the guys who run dirt well. Obviously Bristol now, there's a dirt race on the schedule. It's one out of, you know, thirty-six races or whatever, but it's it's there. Um I expect the Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell battle in that race to be insane. I think that's gonna be a war. What do you guys think about that? Do you think Christopher Bell can get up there? I assume like if you have both those guys in your lineup in daily fantasy. You just have to nail your bottom half picks, but th- that should be an incredible battle between those two guys.
4: I think uh, Bristol Dirt is going to be such a wild card. You can plan for these dirt guys like Larson and Christopher Bell that have the experience, but just you know, I've read a little bit about what Kurt Busch was saying about uh, Bristol Dirt, and he—I think he said that. There is nothing that can prepare you for it and running these stock cars on dirt, you know, compared to a uh, world outlaws car or a midget car or anything like that. So it could be a complete, you know, cluster of a race and who knows what's going to
1: happen. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to add anything to that, Drew. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
5: No, no, no. It was was pretty much very similar thoughts. I agree. I think it's going to be really interesting to see Larson and Bell, um, And they're both in new equipment this year and they're both in the best equipment they've ever had Um, i think the real question is going to be you know these cars are so heavy so are the mechanics going to be sort of similar to dirt the physics of dirt racing the same with these vehicles that they're driving now yeah Um, i'm not convinced that it's really going to work out that well i'm maybe more pessimistic than most about the bristol dirt race i'm really excited to see it um but these cars are just really not made for dirt um but I hope they prove me wrong.
1: Yeah, I am. I am. I'm not thinking they're going to be fast at all. That, but fast race doesn't necessarily mean a bad race. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, the fastest races on the track, theoretically, you know, you always have the bunch ups at the restrictor plate tracks. You know, sometimes you can have good races like that too when you have lap cars involved. And I think Bristol Dirt's going to be a lot of lappers. It's going to be a lot of, you know, groove changing, a lot of just guys trying to figure it out on the fly. So, That's why you've seen Eric Almirola at a dirt modified track, you know, just because they're all trying to learn right now. They're all trying to get some experience. So last question for you, and I'll let you guys get out of here. Uh, I give you $100, plane ticket to Vegas, or any sane state where you can legally gamble. Uh, You have one bet on who's going to win the championship this year. Who are you picking? One piece of gambling advice. Ori, go ahead.
4: Um. I was going to defer to Drew while I thought about it. Um, <laughs> I saw you raise your
1: hand. I thought but, you were like, yeah, I got my guy. Uh,
4: um, I'll go Kevin Harvick. I drafted him. He should have been there last year. Um, everyone's worried about father time catching up to him. But, um, you know, I think for Harvick to only have one championship in his career at this point in time is a little unjust. Uh, I think he was the by far the best driver last year. And, you know, chase kind of stole one away from him in the last, you know, three or four races. Um, so I guess if you're giving me a hundred bucks to, to go lay down, I'm going to go Harvick plus he's on my team. So he's, he's my guy this year.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Drew, where do you go?
4: Yeah. You know,
5: what's funny about Harvick, uh, or, and I talked about this before is that nobody has owned Harvick more in our league than I have and I had the opportunity to take him this year too. And I passed because. I think Abe's going to catch up to him this year. I think this is really when we see his decline. I absolutely would bet against Harvick to win the championship. Um, I just, I don't think he's going to continue to have it in him. I think last year really drained him. He had a great performance and it was just draining for him to not take it home uh, on the flip side, you know, in a similar mindset where we're saying Harvick only has one, he probably should have more, you know, Harvick is reaching the end of his time frame, but somebody who's still right in the middle of it is Kyle Bush, And that's yeah. who I took it to um so i think kyle's really going to have a bounce back year i think he was really honestly pretty upset with how last year went um they made all the changes i think he's out going to be out to prove a point i think chase is going to have another really strong year with all the road courses but when it comes down to it i think uh, kyle bush is going to kind of send a message to everybody and say hey you know i'm still the best driver in nascar and it's going to stay that way for a little while until i start to age out a bit
1: yeah, I will add to that. I think that uh, if Kyle Busch is sitting behind you with a lap or two to go at any track, you know that old slide job moment at Chicagoland with Kyle Larson, it'll be a lot of that. Like there will be no give, and you will probably get moved if he thinks he can get you. Because you're right. I think he looks at last year as a lost year, and I think he's looking to make up on some time for that. So it's going to be. Who bet's On Bo? Say what?
5: Is that who your bet's on?
1: Uh, my bet is on the guy that I ended up with which is uh old Dennis Hamlin nice PJs Hamlin yeah I think I think he's he's been right there man he's been right there every year he's he's got the equipment he's he's been able to do it without practice with practice all that so in similar equipment though I do believe in these Toyotas I think he's gonna I think he'll be right back there again I do think the Gibbs cars will be very strong to your point.
5: You know, Ori said at the beginning of this that this is the league of my guys, and what do we just do? We picked our guys, each of us. To
1: win the <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's it. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for that. Good luck this year, and uh yeah, appreciate the advice as always.
4: Have a good one. Thanks.
1: That is it for us. The next time you hear us talking to you on the Stagger Podcast. We'll have a Daytona 500 in the bag. We will talk about it all next week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok at Stagger Podcast. Till then, stay safe and stay staggered.